Welcome to this week's episode of Double Stint, Sports Car 365 Sports Car Racing Podcast. I'm John DeGeese, joined this week by Daniel Lloyd. How are you, Dan? Very well, thanks, John. Yeah, um, plenty of racing going on the past weekend, some cracking NLS action, um, lots of news as well. So yeah, looking forward to getting into it. Yeah, we'll start off with the NLS uh, recap of NLS 3, which actually was NLS 2, the second race of the year for NLS, um, due to the cancellation of the second round of the season earlier this month. We'll answer um, some listener questions, go over the week's uh, news, and preview this weekend's packed slate of racing from around the world. So let's start off with the weekend recap with NLS 3, uh, historic podium sweep for the BMW M4 GT3. Um, with Augusto Farfus and Connor Filippi taking the win. It wasn't so straightforward, though, Dan, in that um, there was a pretty cracking battle between the Rova Racing BMW and the BMW Junior Team entry, especially in the late stages of the race. Yeah, wasn't it just, John? It was a, a fantastic final lap. Um, experience versus youth. Uh, it came down to Farfus coming up against Max Hesse from the BMW Junior Team. Uh, ironically, Farfus was a member of the junior team lineup at last year's Nürburgring 24. So it was great to see him going toe to toe with one of the drivers that he was effectively mentoring last year. Um, and the, the lead very nearly changed at the very last moment on the last lap. Um, a, a small bit of traffic saw Farfus get a bit blocked up heading onto the Dottinger straight. Really, really great slipstream for uh, Hesse to get through on. He managed to draw alongside. It, it took a couple of goes at it. I think Farfus did block the door at one point, but um, yeah, Hesse really managed to muscle his way to one side and it looked as though he was just going to get ahead, but then uh, Farfus managed to take the position heading into Tiergarten. What a fantastic finish to the race. Um, nothing in it really, just half a second between the two BMW M4 GT3s. Um, in the end, it was a BMW sweep of the podium as Valkenhorst finished third. So, a really strong race for BMW and uh, great great for the manufacturer to be able to see its cars um, going toe-to-toe like that. I think it probably would have been a couple of nervous moments back in the uh, BMW M Motorsport garages. But uh, yeah, a strong result for the manufacturer and it's, it's great timing for them to get a result like this. The M4 GT3 will be making its Nürburgring 24 debut um, in, in just a few weeks' time. And so uh, getting a big result in the NLS round, okay, it's... Uh, a different organization compared to the Nürburgring 24, but to win with that car on that track is surely going to be a big confidence boost for the manufacturer and for Rover Racing. That was its uh, first NLS win um, since one of the early stages of the 2020 season. So uh, uh, nice to see them back on the top step of the podium, but um, with lots of different teams running well for the Munich brand, it's uh, it's looking strong heading into the, the big part of the Nürburgring season. Yeah, for sure. And and especially for Farfus to get the win, the, you know, we've seen the M4 GT3 win already on multiple stages, but this was, you know, a, a, a very pivotal home stage win for, for BMW. And considering uh, the amount of development work Augusto did with this car, I, I think it was a real deserving victory for him too. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and Farfus, like many of the uh... BMW and Motorsport factory drivers has been heavily involved in the M4 GT3 development, but he's sort of been one of the, as you said, John, one of the pivotal members of that crew. He's he's been so good at explaining how the, how the car um, has has been developing and, and what it's like from a driver's perspective. What more they need to get out of it. And um, you know, I, I spoke to him just before the Rolex 24 at Daytona, and he was saying, "Look, this this car's not going to be ready to fight for the podium positions in this type of race, but now um, just uh, just a." few months on look at it it's it's right at the head of the field in these european races it uh there was also a win for it in italian gt 
um, over at Monza this week, this past weekend. So yeah, BMW really uh, laying down some early results with the M4. Um, the real test will come when we get to the big 24-hour race and uh, certainly coming up against the uh, Audi R8 LMS GT3 Evo 2, which has been strong in other European series this year and the uh, established Mercedes AMG and Porsche models will be a, a tall order for them, but um, certainly a good way to start the season. It, it was uh, another potentially note, noteworthy uh, element of the NLS race. We had uh, TF Sport running the Aston Martin Vantage GT3. Um, that team will be making its N24 debut and bringing Aston Martin back into the fight for overall honours at the race. Uh, they managed to get in with a top 10 finish. Um, seemed to be reasonably strong, John. I, th I think they were running a bit of a, a different strategy or a few laps out to to the uh, leaders who ultimately weren't able to challenge for the podium. But um, good to see another manufacturer in the mix. Uh, how did how did you sort of find the uh, other manufacturers' challenges at the Nürburgring? It didn't seem like there was much of one based on the fact that we got a BMW sweep at the podium. Yeah, the strongest challenger was Porsche with the Manthai entry, the, the Grello Porsche until um, an accident that took it out of contention in the second hour. Um, Kevin Estra made a really good charge at the start of the race, got up to second, was right on the back bumper of Di Felipe, I, I believe at the time, who was in the in the Rova car. But um, ultimately that car uh, was crashed out due to some damage. Um, the other two Porsches, I think that would have shown some good performance were from Falcon Tire. Um, they ended up not starting the race due to a uh, lack of, of tires that were optimally um, conditioned for those current conditions, um, basically a supply chain shortage issue from Japan. Um, this probably isn't the first time we're going to be seeing something like this in the world of motorsport right now. Um, there's a bunch of tire manufacturers that are facing similar struggles right now um, due to the ongoing war in Ukraine and, and COVID related supply issues. So um, unfortunate that it happened to the Falcon guys over the course of the weekend because they had two strong cars as well. Um, poor, uh, BMW obviously dominated, but, um, looking at it from Mercedes and Audi, they were pretty much nowhere. Um, I was really surprised that neither put up a challenge at all. They both had strong lineups, especially on the Mercedes front with, um, with some top factory drivers. So, um, yeah, it, it was a bit disappointing. We'll have to see how the BOP swings. Um, you know, we know we have the qualifying race coming up, um, then the 24 or so, It'll be interesting to see how it all develops. No, absolutely. And uh, Mercedes-AMG in particular have always had quick cars at the Nürburgring, especially since the launch of the uh, current Evo model. Um, worth noting that they haven't won an NLS race since 2020. So they went the whole of last season without taking a victory. But it doesn't seem to bear too much on, on their pace at the N24 itself. Um, as I said earlier, the two, uh, the two competitions are effectively separate but involve the same teams because NLS is a great sort of practice run leading up to the Nürburgring 24. Um, so I, I don't think there'll be much concern in the Mercedes and Audi camps. They know their cars work and they've got the right drivers in it. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's, there is an element of momentum there, perhaps, for the drivers to pick up a couple of wins. We saw uh, Manti winning the season opener and now Rover getting uh, back to the top step of the podium. There could be a, a mental element to it there. Um, but really, I think we can uh, expect the Audis and Mercedes to be back right up there fighting for the podium positions and the wins. Um, let's not forget Land finished second in the season opener. So it's not like uh, the Audi is any slouch around the Nordschleifer either. So, um, yeah, plenty plenty of time, I think, for them to, to get to work and get the setups refined ready for the N24 qualifiers, which are coming up shortly. 
Yes. Also in action over the weekend, the Hankook 12 Hours of Spa won by Phoenix Racing in an Audi R8 LMS GT3 Evo. Um, ADAC GT Masters opens its season at Aschersleben. Kerventex's new prototype cup debuted. Um, we had ADAC GT4 Germany uh, uh, action and as well as Italian GT Sprint. All of that's included in Dan's weekly racing roundup on sportscar365.com. Let's shift gears and go to the news of the week and a bit of a light week on news. Nothing major um, that came through the wire, but we did have confirmation that Sun Energy One will be committing to this year's Liquid Molly Bathurst 12 hour with um, Pro-Am lineup as all the cars are more or less in GT3 with the elimination of all Pro lineups um, prohibited uh, in this year's race. But uh, we have Mercedes AMG factory driver Jules Gunan leading the charge. Yeah, we do. Uh, Jules Gunon, of course, the defending winner um, of the race. If you go back to his pre-Mercedes days back with uh, back with Bentley. So, um, yeah, it's Sun Energy One Racing. While it's a pro-am category, they've certainly made the most of the uh, the options available to them in the pro department with Gunon and Stoltz teaming up. Lucas Stoltz, obviously um, a well-known uh, factory driver in the AMG ranks. He seems to race for them pretty much everywhere nowadays. Um Martin Conrad as well, a, a very experienced bronze teaming up with Kenny Habul, um, who is uh, definitely the home race driver for this one, seeing as I, I, I don't correct me if I'm wrong, John, but I think he still lives just off the uh, Conrad Strait. Well, he, um, actually owns, he actually owns property off the Conrad Strait, which he hasn't visited since the beginning of the pandemic. So ah, he, per right. he purchased it right in 2020 when everything was shut down. And so his first uh, uh, experience of, of his new property will actually be during the 12 hour weekend oh that's good so you can check that all of all of the doorknobs work and everything so yeah no <laughs> yeah. Kenny, uh, kenny's going to be down at bathurst and uh, obviously great to see um and uh, another entry supported by triple uh, eight race engineering which has already confirmed uh, another amg to be led by shane van gisberg and so um, a couple of really stout uh, lineups there with the uh, one of the top australian gt3 teams coming up with uh, sun energy Sun Energy One in that link up. Um, Sun Energy One has been at Bathurst several times. Um, the last time the race took place, uh, Hubble had some few different co-drivers, but I think this lineup with Gunon and Stoltz in particular leading the show um, is a really big statement of intent, and it's sort of an indication of how badly Hubble wants to win this race. Um, is one of his sort of top top races in the world that he's always wanted to succeed at and he's he's had some silverware there before but i think this is his best chance really to get that coveted overall victory yeah i'd agree with you shifting over to another gt endurance classic we had audi set its lineup for the nurburgring 24 surprisingly only two full factory entries for the race and the absence of team wrt yes yeah that was an interesting one um i i was I was personally expecting there to be to be more of a, a commitment from Audi there, um, considering they're trying to win back the race, having uh, after Porsche's uh, recent exploits at the Nurburgring with Manthai. So um, the two car entry is surprising, and I, I don't know if that's going to be a sign of things to come in other major GT3 races this year. We shall see. Um, but there's a bit of a consolidation with the lineups that we saw at the Nurburgring 24 last year. Um, drivers coming up um, who were in the Land Car last last year such as uh, Rene Rast and Frederick Vavish moving up into uh, other cars for this race Vavish teaming up with Dries Van Thor and Kelvin van der Linde at Phoenix and Rast moving in with Christopher Hasse and Nico Muller and Patrick Niederhauser at Car Collection so uh, they're, they're all they're all the big names that you'd expect to see in Audis and um, if anything it's it's sort of a strengthening of the lineups um, but 
in a race as tough as the Nürburgring 24. I mean, we've seen it with Mercedes the last couple of years. It's so easy to lose your chances of an overall victory due to incidents or penalties or whatever. So um, potentially a risk there. It'd be interesting to hear from Audi what the reasons are for um, bringing the entry down to two cars from the factory supported side, at least, Um, especially since there aren't really any clashes on that weekend. I think there's a GT World Challenge Australia race uh, uh, going on and uh, I think Super GT's on as well but that's that's about it so um, yeah slightly uh, slightly strange one there and with no WRT as well um, it's it, it doesn't it doesn't seem as though it's as big a statement as Audi has made in recent years but that's not to say it won't be taking it as seriously as it ever has um, Audi's always strong at the Nürburgring as we mentioned earlier on and with the uh, Evo 2 model I don't think there's any doubt that the two teams nominated to run the cars are going to be able to uh, produce some uh, some quick cars on the Nürburgring 24 weekend yeah absolutely we also had some updates in the total energy six hours of spa entry list for the fia world endurance championship some new drivers on the list a driver change in gtem as well yeah that's right um a a new entry list released last week and uh, we've got a a world endurance championship debut for uh ben viscal the dutchman is going to team up with his compatriot timon van der helm and uh, miro konopka at arc bratislava um the team is uh, is running a orica 07 gibson after running most uh, part of last season with a ligier um Viscal recently scored a podium uh, on his debut in the European Le Mans series when he was with uh, Sophia Flersch at Algarve Pro Racing. So um, certainly someone with with a bit of pace to his name and uh, a lot of single-seater prowess. Pretty straightforward, transferable over into uh, prototypes. We've seen so many drivers do it and uh, Viscal getting the chance on the global stage to to make a bit of a name for himself. Hopefully uh, he'll be able to uh, add even more pace to the ARC car. One of the Pro-Am uh, competitors in the category but uh, nonetheless in the hands of a uh, of a decent young gun it's it's going to be right up there you'd imagine um also on the WEC entry list john as you say there's been some uh, adjustments in the gt am ranks with uh, henrik chavez joining tf sports number 33 aston martin crew uh, chavez is a uh, a decorated driver in recent years he he won the uh international gt open title as well as the uh Fanajac gt world challenge europe Powered by AWS Sprint Cup Pro-Am title, that's a mouthful, last season with Barwell Motorsports. So um, it's uh, nice to see Chavez back in, uh, in into sort of ACO rules racing. He did, he did a bit of a European Le Mans series in the LMP2 ranks before, but uh, this this time he's getting behind the wheel of a GTE uh, GTE Am Aston replacing Florian Latour. So just a couple of changes so far ahead of the six hours of Spa. Um, it's going to be a another great WEC race I think Sebring was uh, was was a great event to watch and uh, lots of action in in most of the classes there so um yeah looking forward to seeing how how the teams get on uh, one of the best tracks that produces some of the best racing um it, I was at Spa not too long ago and there was there've been a lot of changes to the facility actually um so plenty of things for the drivers to get used to some reference points moving out the way and things like that um so yeah it's definitely going to be a, a, a highlight of the coming weeks that race uh, in early may so yeah looking forward to the second round of the season it's getting closer and finally for this week we had a teaser image released by lamborghini of their huracan gt3 evo 2 which we understand is set to be unveiled sometime in the next few months um quite an interesting 
sneak peek because uh, judging by the render, it, it looked like it gave quite a bit of the car away from the side and a little bit of the front. Um, certainly some new bodywork on, on that uh, new generation Huracan that's set to debut in 2023. Yes, yeah, uh, definitely a Huracan looking at the photos um, and Lamborghini have been quite generous to us, I think, with, with what they've shown in the teaser. But uh, yeah, the, the, they've been working hard on the development of that car. Loads of testing mileage already under its belt. Um, a few design cues there. Can we get an idea of it? The front of the car seems to be partially hidden, but based on what we've seen um, on other Lamborghini products, it, it, there is there are some ideas there, I think, that people will be able to pick up on. But the full re reveal of the car is forthcoming. Um, this is an important car for Lamborghini. It's building on um, a Huracan GT3 Evo that has achieved a lot of success around the world. Um, but we're moving into the era of uh, GT3 becoming the real global force in sports car racing in the production-based ranks based on its um, acceptance into the FIA World Endurance Championship. This, this is a car that we could see racing at Le Mans. So um, Lamborghini investing in the future and uh, they've, they've put a lot of work into this car. Um, I know Lamborghini Motorsport boss Giorgio Sanna has told me a few times about um, quite a, there should be quite a few differences to the original Evo. We do see some GT3 manufacturers making sort of minor updates, not too noticeable updates to their cars. Um, I think thinking in particular, the, the Honda Acura NSX update for this year didn't seem to have changed too much. But I think this, this could be quite a departure from the uh, Evo that we've got now. And uh, no doubt it's going to help a lot of teams to, to be able to fight for some big wins uh, with Lamborghini by its side. It'll be interesting to, to follow those developments. And once the once Lamborghini officially unveils the car, I'm sure that that'll be coming up in shortly. In brief, we had news that Kyle Marcelli and Sheena Monk will be switching to PF Racing for the remainder of the Michelin Pilot Challenge season following Marcelli's accident at Sebring that totaled their Toyota GR Supra GT4. And one of the other cars involved in that accident, the number 77 Brian Herta Autosport Hyundai Elantra NTCR has also been ruled out for the foreseeable future. That team's actually going to be switching back to a Veloster NTCR uh, for the next two races due to that accident. For more, you can check out all the latest on sportscar365.com. We have one listener question this week that comes from Johnny Hawksworth one on Twitter. He using the hashtag ask double stint. He writes, the first race at Ozarks is coming up in a few weeks. Do you think this track has the potential to be great or become an afterthought in U.S. road racing, such as Miller Motorsports Park in Utah or New Jersey Motorsports Park? Well, it's funny that you ask this now because there's a bit of controversy going on over whether those races will happen as planned in a few weeks' time. Um, SRO Motorsports America and Lamborghini Super Trofeo are slated, as of this, as as of a recording, this to be racing there on the the third week of May. Um, there's been a lot of outcry from drivers that have been there, drivers that have crashed there, and drivers that may feel the track may not be safe enough. Um, we haven't spoken to anybody from the track. We haven't spoken to anybody from the, the two series to get any kind of official comment. So I rather refrain from that right now, but let's just put this as a stay tuned situation because I don't think we've seen the end of what could happen. Um, obviously, there's been a huge amount of investment put into this facility. Um, everybody that I've spoken to has been extremely impressed with the, the track itself, the facility itself, um, albeit maybe a little bit too small of a paddock to fit 
you know, a hundred plus cars as a, a typical SRO event would be. But um, there is some real concern, I think, from drivers and some from some others about some parts of the track and, and whether this might be too fat, it might be too fast or too gnarly of a track, as one driver put it, for GT3 cars. So um, we'll have to wait and see. Um, we have to put our trust in the sanctioning bodies and, and organizers to to make the right decision. Um, as soon as something is official, you'll you'll hear it first on on Sports Car 365. Um, thanks for your question this week, Johnny. Um, and anybody else has questions um, for the next show, please post them either in the latest episode post on Sports Car 365 or use the hashtag #AskDoubleStint on Twitter. Okay, Dan, we have a lot of racing action coming up this weekend. IMSA at Laguna, GT World Challenge Europe Sprint Cup at Brands Hatch. I know you're headed out there. Um, DTM's opening its season at Portimao. Um, let's start with IMSA. Uh, got DPI, LMP2, GTD Pro, and GTD in action. A balance of performance adjustments at the Corvette. Um, they're 20 kilos heavier than they were at Long Beach. Power reduction for the BMW M4 GT3. No huge surprise there. Um, also news that Marco Holzer will be making his long-awaited return to IMSA competition in the NTE Motorsport Lamborghini. So there's plenty to track in the WeatherTech Championship paddock. We also have Michelin Pilot Challenge, Lamborghini Super Trofeo opening its, opening its season with the new Evo 2, um, making its debut in, on the U.S. soil for the first time, and also Porsche Carrera Cup North America presented by the Cayman Islands. So it's going to be a packed weekend at Laguna. Um, what about Brands Hatch? Brands Hatch, uh, yeah, much the same. It's, it's always a packed one, this, because it's a two-day event. Um, unlike other events where uh, SRO Motorsports Group uh, puts on its own event, um, it, on this occasion, they're just at the track um, rent, renting some space effectively. And so um, they're on a schedule that is, is a two-day event with, with some other national series. But GT World Challenge Europe Sprint Cup is headlining the bill. Um, a decent grid. We, we've got more than 20 cars on the grid. Plenty of uh, pro machinery and some interesting silver lineups that are always going to be looking to become interlopers in the battle for the outright win. Um, all sorts going on, really, but we've we've got main uh, mainly a, a large contingent of Audis. Obviously, the Team WRT stable is there. They've only got four cars, though. They were initially listed to have um, five Audis there on the Sprint Cup grid. So a bit to investigate as to why one of those has uh, dropped off one of the silver cars. Um, on the Mercedes AMG camp, there's uh, in, enough of those to provide a, a decent challenge. Um, a CODIS ASP team, uh, after a strong performance in the opening round of the Endurance Cup season at Imola, where it uh, just finished behind WRT, uh, they, they've got uh, a couple of pro cars there, including Raffaele Marciello and Timur Bogoslavski, who will be racing under the neutral FIA flag. They return. Um, but I think arguably the more interesting lineup is Jules Gounon and Jim Pla um, in the other car. Pla has been a really impressive silver driver for ASP, um, a real loyal servant to the team, the Frenchman. He's driven all sorts of things for them, loads of GT4 action, and now he gets the chance to be on the big stage um, with one of Mercedes-AMG's top drivers in Jules Gounon. Um, so I think they could be a real uh, a real high bet for a high finish in this one. Um, also of note, Dynamic Motorsport with two pro Porsches. One of those was originally going to be um, in one of the other classes, but Klaus Backler brings the uh, Giorgio Roda driven car up to uh, pro status. Um, 
Jota will be looking to make amends and to avenge uh, a, a really difficult weekend at Brands Hatch last time. It had an ultra-fast McLaren 720S GT3, but it obviously Oliver Wilkinson had that horrible accident in, in the woods where he ended up over the barriers. Um, so they'll be back with a vengeance. The local team with uh, Rob Bell joining Wilkinson for an all-British lineup there. Um, up and down the entry list, you can find a lot more on uh, Sportscar 365. Keep it tuned to that. I'll be there at Brands Hatch this weekend, soaking it up. Hopefully the sun continues. We had a really nice Easter weekend. Um, so, uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing some GT3 cars on, in the sunshine on home soil. It's a personal favourite of mine. And DTM's opening its season at Portimao, uh, 29 cars, a, an incredible grid of professional drivers. Um, really looking forward to that and, and seeing how the second year of the GT3 formula works for the, the famed uh, German-based touring car championship, which is now full-on GT3. So um, be sure to keep attuned to Sports Car 365 for all of the latest from there as well. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Double Stint. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week to recap all the racing action and more. Take care and be safe.